Well, we made it back, my man. Another Monday night edition of uh, Dogging It with Molina Mike and a much better looking Joey Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Pinozo, Billiards Digest Magazine. Boy, that's a tongue twister. How are you, Mike? Good, good. Good to be back. Monday night, I, like Howard Cosell and Don Meredith. Yeah, no kidding, right? That might be, you know, I know that, but that might be some, you know, before some of these, <laughs> for some of this fan base's time, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I but, watched. I watched the very first Monday Night Football. Did you? Well, you okay. know what? I they had some great commentators along the way, including you know John Madden, rest his soul, man. Yeah. You know, I can remember, I can remember listening to John and and Pat Summerall, um, yeah. growing up as a kid, and I love. I mean, I, I commentary for me goes a long way when it comes to sporting events. You know, I, I think about, 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think about um, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman when it comes to football. I think about, um, oh my God, Bob Costas in, in ESPN. I mean, not ESPN, uh, NBC, excuse me, NBC, the yeah. Olympics. Um, who's the gentleman? Nah, I can't believe I'm dogging it, but who's the gentleman with the uh, uh, Masters every year? Hello, friends. Jim Nance. Jim Nance. Jim Nance, so, yeah. Yeah. Just certain certain people when I hear their voice, it just takes me to that place. So yeah. Anyway, sure. anyway, sure. I'm rambling. Whatever. If if you guys can hear us in the chat, please let us know. Uh, we got the commentary up, so hopefully, I'm sorry, the the chat up. So if you guys can hear us, the audio is coming in well. Please let us know. Uh, we appreciate everybody for joining in with us this evening. Um, yeah, man, we're excited. I I wanted to bring you on, Mike, because um, I was able to go and and catch your article or your post on, on social media regarding your your article uh, about the Moscone Cup. And for those who haven't seen it, Mike, let, let everybody know, like in a nutshell, what they missed. Oh, well, they, you know, it was just, you know, I, I watch social media a lot like everybody else. And, and every year we go through the same thing about fans pontificating over, you know, what to do to make the Moscone Cup more competitive and the Americans suck and the European seventh team could be favored and it should be, <laughs> you know, Europe versus Asia and, and all that kind of stuff in the Moscone Cup. I feel Cup's like I'm being pro- attacked here, Mike. I feel like I'm being attacked <laughs> here, just, just on that first sentence. <laughs> and, you know, and people talk about, you know, should, you know, the Moscone Cup and the threat of going away. And it, it just made me laugh. And so I thought, I know it's only March, but here's, Here's the thing to me that, that that sets the tone for it all is that we're talking about it in March, okay? So please yeah. don't tell me that the Moscone Cup has one foot in the grave because we're talking about it in March. Um, and and my point was that people go through this all the time. The you know When U.S. was trouncing Europe, it was the Moscone Cup's going to go away. When Europe was trouncing the U.S., the Moscone Cup's going to go away. And... You know, fans get in this notion that unless it's a cliffhanger every year, that people are going to lose interest. And it's just not the case. I mean, this, you know, all you have to do is look at the live gate. It's gotten bigger every year. It got bigger every year Europe was winning every year. It got bigger when the U.S. won a couple of times. It got bigger the last couple of years when Europe has come back and won again. So, um, you know, just the whole point of the article was just, listen, guys, this isn't going to go away. And here's why. And my points were basically that, that, you know, just the fact that everybody talks about it for 12 months is the proof in the pudding that, that this is something that people care about and they're not going to stop caring about. And, and my team can lose 12 years in a row and I'm still going to be there in the next year in the front row, you know, wishing and hoping and, you know, that, that the team, that my team wins. You know, it's like being a Cleveland Browns fan sometimes. I was gonna say, Mike, and, and that statement right there really resonates with me because when when you're a sports fan or you're a fan of a team or a player or whatever, like you're in it no matter what. It doesn't matter. The Browns in all their years of horrid, you know, I can count the number of wins on my on probably on my hand that they've won over the, you know besides this last two years in the previous like ten years, right? Because they've been right. they they they've been that a uh, uh, terrible of a team. But it's true, Mike. I mean, it's like this is the one event and pool in sports uh, where, like, it, it really it really strikes a chord with with people across the world, Americans especially. It goes it goes beyond whether your team is good or not. It's 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 pride. It's it's a sense of this. These are my guys. Um, you know, I even wrote an article. There might be even players on a team you don't even like. 
but you know, for those four days, <laughs> yeah. they're your guys. And, and, uh, it's just something that's, uh, it's very deep inside you that you can't, that you can't stay away from. And, um, and you always hold out hope. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned the article, you know, you don't, you know, we have to deal with realities of the everyday world every day that we're going to work every day we're living to, you know, we don't have to be realistic about our teams and about who we root for. I don't care if they're an underdog 13 years in a row. I got belief that this year is going to be the year they're going to turn around. And so that's what keeps driving you. And, um, and, and just the natural rivalry between Europe and the U S it's just, it's perfect. You know, I, I, I don't believe that, Europe against Asia, would it be a better contest? Probably, but sorry, it's just not going to have the same appeal that the Moscone Cup has. Um, you know, it just, they're just not that natural, you know, us against them feeling. And, um, and that's what you have with U.S. and Europe. And it, you just, you know, it doesn't matter how many years in a row somebody wins, everybody's going to show up. Well, I mean, I... There's a lot of points in that article that I really agree with. And then there's some points in that article where I was just like, come on, Mike, you're just trying to get me riled up over here. You're just trying to get me tilted. Okay. Right, Number one, I there's there's listen, there's sometimes I, I agree with you. Rivalries in sports is huge. We see it all the time. UNC and Duke, the Red Sox and the Yankees. I mean, I, I I can really go on and on, and you can just pick a sport like the Cowboys and the Giants or the Cowboys and whoever in, in football. I mean, rivalry in sport is is so massive and it doesn't matter how relevant or irrelevant your team is you're always going to go and tune in i remember like seeing years of uh uh where maybe a duke team or, or unc team wasn't as relevant i know we're in march right now but like i still wanted to go and watch you know yankees every year with the biggest payroll in baseball and then they're below 500 as when that red sox ma matchup lines up on a friday night and i want to go in here uh, Bob Costas, you know, make the call on MLB. I'm I'm there and I'm watching and it doesn't matter. And that's the beauty of it. And I love how that time of year for us in pool, it really gets people in their heart, in their soul, in their being, because like, if you're rooting for Europe, you're not my friend, Mike, I don't care who you are. Like you get, <laughs> it, 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 it gets these emotions out of people that like, we don't get to see the other 11 months of the year. Right. Um, right. it's a pretty special event, but but I'll say this. This is, and I, I really believe it. I don't. I don't see how adding in a third wheel could go and and ruin an event or take away from it. Mike, help me get there. Help me understand that because oh, I'm not, I, saying, I, I'm not saying that Europe against Asia wouldn't work. I don't, I'm not saying it wouldn't be interesting. I'm just saying it would not have the same appeal and it would not have the same visceral response. That. For sure that Europe against the U.S. has. So, yeah, I'd love to see Europe play, play Asia. I'd love to see the U.S. play Asia. Um, you know, but I mean, and, and, and golf and tennis, they all have secondary and tertiary, you know, um, you right. know, international competitions, the President's Cup and things like that. Um, and and they, they, they broaden the field and they bring the rest of the world in. Uh, but it doesn't have the same impact as Ryder Cup. It doesn't have the same impact as Davis Cup. It, it just it just doesn't. So uh, you kind of know if, if you think that it would be on a level field from a fan standpoint and a 12 of the year discussion standpoint, I just don't think it would get there. No, but you know what, Mike, this doesn't happen overnight. Like we've seen it. It, it seems like over the last, let's say, three or four years, especially the Moscone Cup has really just full steam ahead. You know, and is really just revving its engine. I mean, we saw ticket sales, like Matthew McConaughey uh, uh, said in the chat, like ticket sales went and sold out very fast. Uh, I think within a matter of of minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Then they released some of the production seats, and even then, I mean, it's the hottest ticket. And I remember after the event, and I was talking with Emily about this. Like, I really thought they missed the boat for not going and capitalizing on that momentum and opening up ticket sales right away. But here we are, Mike. It was February, and they still sold out. People are planning for this, you know, 10 months in advance, nine months in advance. That's crazy, man. You know, and, yeah. and I love I love the direction, but I don't I think that it could be developed. You know, I think that those I'm not saying that an Asian uh, Asia versus Europe wouldn't go and sell out as quickly or maybe have that same emotion that you go and have. But I wouldn't go and bet that it couldn't go and get there at some point within the next few years, you know, because I really do believe 
their fans. And I think that was one part of your article that kind of put me on tilt because you were like, there'll be a hundred people there. And I don't believe <laughs> it, man, because I know I know a lot of Filipinos who root for their country like no other, Mike. I mean, when you see a Filipino go and win an event, their first like love and and thank you. I mean, besides like, you know, they give respect to God and all those things, but it's to their country, Mike. And it doesn't matter what event what event they're in. You know, they're playing for the mother homeland over there, you know? Are they getting on a plane and flying to London for the version that's over there? And, you know, I don't know. I mean, there were a lot of events in the Philippines, um, and they always had, you know, massive crowds in malls looking down from the railings and all that kind of stuff. They weren't paid crowds, okay? So, so you right. know, the Moscone Cup right now, the gate for the Moscone Cup is what allows Matchroom to fade the World Cup of Pool, no gate. Whirlpool Masters, no gate. I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. So, so you can't discount what that means. You think that that holds up, that holds up for the rest of the events? Like it's kind of it's carrying the load, so to speak. Well, I mean, it just yeah. I mean, I think that it, it's not like it pays for the rest of the events, but it right. it, it cushions the blow, right? So, um, and but I think that it's, I think you'll start to see. I'd be very surprised if the U.S. Open this year didn't have a good gate. I'd be very surprised if the UK Open didn't have a good gate. So, you know, the Moscone Cup serves a lot of purposes. And, you know, and we talked, you talked before about over the course of time, the eight, you know, Europe against Asia could get there. Sure, it could. History is such a huge part of any sport. And it sure. doesn't have a lot of history in terms of long standing events. The US Open, the Moscone Cup, those are the two biggest. Um, and so I think that they're getting to the point now with with um, uh, generating interest in the Moscone Cup and and then the rest of their season and, and coming out with new you know um, arenas and better seating things like you're start, I think you'll start to see paid audiences start to show up U.S. Open U.K. Open those would be the two that I would think would be the most natural next steps for them in terms of starting to build a crowd to the point where you know, over the next five years, you want to see all these events on the calendar be like the big darts events where it'll get three, four thousand, five thousand. It'd be nuts, Mike. Have you ever seen one of those? I mean, it gets pretty it gets pretty wild. It gets pretty wild in that crowd. And it's crazy because they're all just sitting there like what looks like picnic tables, you know, <laughs> hammering it up, you know, it's and like it's a big German thing. Yeah, yeah. And people are going nuts and I love it. And you're right, man. Like history is so it's it's rooted, man. It's like the Bears and the Packers, you know. It doesn't matter. Well, I was gonna it, bring that up before because you know, you yeah. talked about that. I mean, I'm from Chicago, I'm a Bears fan. Right. It were years where we you know, in the eighties where we pummeled the Packers. And now since Aaron Rodgers, you know, we've won probably about six times in twenty years. Uh, but every game against them is a sellout every game against them has everybody on the edge of their seat every game is throwing you know trash talk at each other that's the same For thing sure. with Moscone cup it's that same you know it's in your heart it's in your gut um and and it doesn't it, Mike. who wins and how often it's gonna it's not going away it's compelling and the one thing this is one of one of my big when i, when I think about this topic especially I'm curious what your thoughts are, but like what happens when Captain America hangs it up? Because I think we've been able to fade a lot over, let's say, the last five years. And what I mean by that is, and, and I guess matching to an extent, USA won after, let's say, a decade of not doing anything, right? So that kind of like saved their asses and bought them some more time. It's like a terrible coach, Mike, in football, right? Where like they win a Super Bowl. Okay, you know, we're going to forget those signature records. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're going to go and buy yourself, you know, at, at least five more years. And then now um, storylines is what helps keep sports relevant. And I know that the the record books won't go and reflect how close or how compelling or how exciting the Moscone Cup was. But, like, I remember Jeremy doing all these things. And I know it's just a few months ago, right? I remember these guys fighting, you know, their asses off, you know, a, a few months ago. And that's going to help me be that much more engaged, that much more willing to go to Vegas and and – I think a lot of fans kind of feel the same way, but what happens when those storylines aren't there, Mike? What happens when Shane ain't there no more and you got a team full of Tyler and Chris and, and these young kids, and if they're going and getting demolished, like what happens then? Can they, can they still go and sustain? 
Uh, well, you, you develop storylines, and all these players are going to get better as it goes over time. Um, and, you know, you just you just keep slugging away. I mean, you get a good coach in there, you get a good captain in there, and, and you get more out of talent than, than other people think you can get out of them. That's the way that that goes. Same in any kind of sport with any kind of coach and any kind of team. You know, you lose your superstar player or the guy who's carried the load for a lot of years. And you rebuild a little bit, but you develop that sense in players that they can do anything if they want to. And, yeah. you know, and, and we bring this up all the time. It doesn't make any difference, you know, if one team's favored or favored. But, you know, it's still, you know, races the five. Anybody on a team ball. might play three or four times in the tournament, and that's it. So it's not, you know, it's not impossible. It's not in the realm of possibility for these players to go and do something special. Um, they just have to believe in themselves, and a lot of that comes down to coaching and captains, right? For sure, absolutely. And I, I mean, we saw that especially this past year. You know, I mean, I think coaching and, and and we saw that whenever Team Europe lost. I thought the coaching was a big part of of why they took those L's those those two years. And I'm not and I'm not going to take anything away from the red, white, and blue and what they did. But I thought that there was some massive missteps when it came to Shamat and his decisions over the you know two or three days because I thought. I think they thought they were just stealing and they could fade it. They could weather the storm and they would end up coming out on top. And ultimately, you know, for my money, ended up costing him his job. And on the flip side of it, it's like we're kind of just not want to say dismissing, but kind of like giving Jeremy a pass, so to speak, because he fought his ass off and he showed a lot of heart and was the soul and the backbone and the spirit of that team. Kind of like the what what Billy might have been for so many years. Like he just inspired him. Right. Right. And, it, you yeah. know, hey. Yeah, I, I thought that Jeremy bought, you know, a little more time just by the last year. And, and really the last two years really were kind of, for sure. you know, he, he didn't have much going. It's so brutal, Mike. It's... It was the COVID year, and then it was Earl getting the rug pulled out on him on day one. So, um, you know, you can't judge Jeremy too harshly on what he's done the last couple of years with, with the circumstances he's been put in. The main reason why I'm... I've been, I don't want to say campaigning, but we're politics, <laughs> but like the main reason why I've been kind of just so excited at this idea of a possible Reyes Cup and bringing in, whether it's a Philippines team or Taiwan team or just an Asian contingent as a whole, um, is because I think Team Europe has been kind of just with their feet up at the desk. And I'm not saying they're not working hard, but it's different, Mike, when you think they've never been an underdog ever in, in the last, let's say, um, 10, 12 years. 10 years. Yeah, I was going to say about 10 years. I don't think they've ever been an underdog, Mike. And it's different when you got someone coming at your back, right, coming for you, as opposed to, like, them just saying, eh, we're stealing. We're not going to worry about it. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I understand that. But uh, where I where I kind of disagree with that is that um, European players – you know, it was different in the early years with the American players putting their feet up and winning every year because it was the same players. They were just pretty much rubber stamped from year to year. Europe, it's a battle. There's a lot of Europeans that would give their left arm to play in the Moscone Cup. And the ones who get there know what a gift that is and how special that is. And so they don't, they always, I think, work hard enough to not want to lose their seat. You know, you got to seat at that table. You don't want to give it up. So uh, there's always well, a lot. We of saw that with last year. Mike Fetter got left off the team, and everybody thought that he was, you know, almost a shoe in, or at least should have been that five spot. And I think if Clinton yeah. doesn't go and win the world championship, he's there. But I mean, that proves your point. You know, just how competitive that those and how coveted those five are. Yeah, those spots are gold. Um, you know, so. Uh, I think that the the battle with Europeans to get there, you know, they may feel like they get their feet up on the table when they get there, but even then, I, I think that that's kind of overrated. I think that they, I think, you know, they know they don't want to be the ones who are on the team that lost. Guarantee you that. Um, so, you know, it's it's um, there's always going to be that desire for the European players to make the team and to do well. I don't know how many times that I've been at events big events like the world 10 ball coming up where you have players from all over the world. And I talked to Europeans and I got friends of mine who are on both teams, but specifically the Europeans, cause I'll go and talk to them and I'll just say, how important is it for you to go and make this team? I won't go mention any names, but like guys who are like on the cusp or maybe who have felt shorted over the years that they should have been there and they weren't, or like you can tell they feel a little jaded by the, uh, by the process, but at the same time, 
you can you can tell in their in who they are like when they answer that question of just how how much like they strive to go and get there and it's the number one goal every single year and that's part of the reason why for me as a fan and me being friends with a lot of these guys the new uh, like the more the more transparency there's going to be when it comes to matchrooms process of if you do a b and c and, and you really are it's, it really is a b and c because it's going to be the top three you're going to be guaranteed a spot on this team and then we're going to have two wild cards you know so what 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 what's your thought on that mike like because you've been through the the quote-unquote favoritism years or the you know years where you're going to have you know picks based off of certain events but this is this feels different mike it feels more proper it is it is more proper um and it, it needs to be that way. I mean, it, it's always kind of been unbalanced because they're trying to find this proper way for the Europeans because the Europeans are so deep. At the same time, you know, they almost want to always handpick the American team because they, they need to make sure that it's the best five guys out there, regardless of how they played in the past year. So there's always been a little bit of an uneven skew there and how, how the team, you know, for the last 10, 12 years, how the teams yeah. were selected. But, um, you know, for the Europeans, uh, it's, you know, it, it's really, that makes it a really interesting, you know, thing because, you know, you talk about players who hit, you know, trying to get in there. The easiest thing that I, that I look at are the guys who've been on the team and are in the top level, you know, the top five, six guys in the world and the next year they don't make the team and it's crushing. I mean, and it's happened to everybody. It happened to Fader. It happened to Alvin a couple of years ago when he got left off. It's happened to Niels when he's gotten left off. Uh, you know, David Alcave, you know, he's been on twice, and you can't believe the guy's only been on her twice or three times. Um, so, you know, it's it's a, it's a gut punch to these guys when they don't when they don't make the team, especially those guys in the that top tier when it now when it's three automatic picks and only two captains picks, there's always gonna be that guy who's left off who's it's gonna be crushing. I remember talking with Federer that first year. I think it was the year that Alex won, and it ended up being uh, like the very last event is how Alex got picked, and it was like deep in that European uh, or that Euro Tour event, and Alex yeah. was literally like – I think Alex was like Hill Hill with some – I don't want to say nobody, but guy I never heard of, you know, and I probably haven't heard of him since then. Um, I can see his face, but I don't remember the name. And I remember talking with Federer. And just how gutted he was and he was very like open about it he was just like i don't know what i gotta do like this is just he's like i might just end up going to the states for a year and just saying the hell with this and i'm gonna you know just play money matches and play events out there and i said man just stick with it i said you're gonna be on the team for the next like 15 years man like you're that guy who's on deck like i think you're the next jason or the next albin or the next josh you know because i think they're spots for the next few years are are a lock especially josh because of how young he is um but uh and this is like in november and then the very next month the kid goes on to win the world championship yeah and, champ. uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was it was pretty awesome and i know he was he felt very slighted again it's real unfortunate like you know the circumstances and in, in the world going on um and how that's affecting you know uh, uh players of sport all over the world all across the world um, and I think, I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't see him going and, and making this team. And I think that'll go and open up another spot because I think it was for my money. I think it was automatic that he was going to go and, and make that, that European team. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, Mike, like if, if let's say, right, let's just close our eyes. Okay. And let's just say they bring in an Asian contingent. Let's say you got Dennis and you got the Co brothers and you got Chang and you got, I mean, we're going to leave off a bunch of names. You got Wu, you know, you Beato. got a monster team, Beato. Yeah. I mean, you, just a bunch of, you know, serial killers from top to bottom, right? You know, do you think that, I, how, how can I say this? Like, do you think that they'll have the, the stomach for that stage? Because that stage is unlike any other in our sport, Mike. It depends. It, it would depend on if the stage is the stage. I mean, you know, I don't think the first time Europe plays Asia, you're going to get 3,000 people in Alley Pally. You know, right. I could be wrong, but that would be a surprise to me. Um, but, um, you know, the Asian players, they, they can fade some pressure. You know, they, they know how yeah. to do it. I, I think it would be I think it would be great, great matchup. I, the, the more interesting thing to me is, you know, 
they don't play as a team much. No, uh, especially, no. especially and, between countries. So you know, in the Europeans, they do. They have team team events in the European Championship. They play. You know, they're a little more used to that kind of thing. And in the U.S., all the players. They're U.S. players. They know each other. They hang out with each other. They say it's it's a different, you know, it's, it's easier for the U.S.A. players. So I think the, the Asian players, it would be the the toughest fit to have them, you know, really kind of to find some cohesion. Might take a year or two to do it, and and that's only going to happen if they really feel like there's something at stake, pride, that type of thing. And I don't know. I mean, does you know Dennis playing the team with Chang and the Cole brothers or whatever? Is there are they going to live and die by what they do in the Reyes Cup? Yeah, I mean, Dennis is notorious for not being – I know he's won a World Cup of pool, but outside of that, like, he's notorious for not being a great team player. I, I remember years ago it was a big 10-ball uh, doubles event, and this is probably – man, like, this is probably maybe like 8 to 10 years ago, and him and Shane were partners, and this is, like, in the height of, like, everything of about them. Right. This is in the height of like Shane's great. Yeah. I mean, left and right, you name it. Right. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to be partners. And it was so great. And I stayed up to like four in the morning to go and watch this matchup. And I think they got, they literally got robbed by like some kids who were like 14 and 13 years old. And I think it was a young, uh, Cheska Santano, who she's a, 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 a world champion, but at the time yeah. she was just a teenager and I forgot who her partner was, but I couldn't believe it. And, and, and then like years later, every time I would go and see Dennis playing doubles, it was like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't show up because he's such an alpha and it's hard for him to kind of be that, that team yeah. guy. You know, I was in Vegas a few months back when I saw him in uh Roland play Billy and Shane in one pocket and they're playing even, and they're playing by the game. And you would think like, oh, they're supposed to be stealing. It wasn't even close. I mean, there was yeah. just like no rhyme or rhythm to it. And I think there would be some learning curve to it, but I think that would be part of like the beauty yeah. of it because I want to see him go and stump. I want to see them get nerves unlike any other. I want to see how much pride they're going to go and have if they win. I want to see the Europeans, more importantly, face some heat because I haven't really seen it except for like, you know, maybe two years back to back, you know, a few years back. But besides yeah. that, I really haven't seen like – that level of intensity or that kind of like fire on their asses, Mike. Yeah, last last year was close, and if we if we could have gotten a couple of games on that third day and turned the fourth day into a dog race, it would have been interesting to see, you know, because you see what happens when when you put pressure on them. And I'm not saying that the Europeans fold under pressure, but those two years, you know, with the Americans leading going into the fourth day, it's a different European team. You know, I mean, they're yeah, all still really there's all still some of the best players in the world, but. Everything's a little bit different when, when you're chasing um, and you got a little bit of doubt in your mind, things like that. So that's the whole, you know, key to it is is putting pressure on the, the favorite. And that's, that's the way it is in any sport, right? Put pressure on them, see how they handle it. Um, again, I just, I just, with an Asian thing, just hard for me to imagine them, um, you know, having that kind of sense of national pride that would, that would make it really, really important to them. You know, that it would be do or die. Uh, you know, the Americans play that way. The Europeans play that way. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't know. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I love having these conversations because it's great. And I'm not like, I'm not saying the American team should not be going to the Moscone cup because of relevancy or competitiveness or any of that, because, you know, I don't want to see that, you know, I don't want to see, what's so what's an amazing and special event be taken away i just think that you know from a com, from just a pure sport and competitiveness standpoint i would love to go and see it kind of shaken up a bit now i'm not saying go and throw in you know five other teams i don't want it to be like the world cup of pool because i want the world cup of pool to be the world cup of pool i want that to stay its own event and this is part of like what i've seen from like matching over the years because I'm, I'm a fan of the world pool masters mike i love it you know every year it's a big re, you know see, seeing um Kazakis going win last year after you know him you know dogging it a few times on the big stages or you know in finals um that that part was pretty special to me but then I have like the CLP or PLP event which kind of like it's it's similar and, and similar in the sense like we're getting all the players together they're gonna go and play all week they're gonna go and play a tournament style um and but I like how special the World Pool Masters is you know on its own it's a great um, event it's it's the oldest event they have, I think, really. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Especially this calendar, 
Tony Khan. <laughs> is it really? I think so. Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely one of my favorites, but I don't want I don't want the Moscone Cup to turn into something that's like diluting that, if that makes any sense, you know. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of events uh, coming up, Mike. I mean, in in the it, it's it's good to have this debate, and we're gonna go and see these teams kind of shape up in the next like three months, Mike, and it's gonna go and start with the uh, World Championship on April 6th through the 10th of this year. It's going to be at, at Milton Keys at, at the Marshall Arena. Um, I'm curious, Mike, wh wh what storylines do you see going into it? What storylines do you see coming out of it? Um, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, last year I thought they did a really nice job with the World Championship. It was good. That was an event that to me was, you know, relative. I mean, it, it had a nice ring to it, but it was relatively insignificant to me relative to the other big pool events in the year uh, when it was in, you know, uh, the Middle East for all those years. Um, but last year, Matchroom took it back to the level it should be. So it's, and it's, it's bigger money. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a great event. I mean, it's, it favors the Europeans, obviously, because the, the Asians still aren't traveling in, in big groups. Um, and the U S just doesn't, you know, doesn't travel to those European events a whole heck of a lot. So, um, but it's, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. There's a lot at stake in addition to being the world champion, um, you know, trying to lock up a spot in Moscone Cup, um, you know, just big performances there can take a lot of players a long way this year. Yeah, it can really go and catapult you and, and can yeah. go and just and, and, and spark, you know, your career or even put you on the map for that matter. You know, if you're kind of one of these guys who's just – hanging around a bubble like it can really put you on the radar um the biggest for oh, me yeah. mike is go ahead well i was just saying i mean you know, last year i mean when was the last time anybody in the u.s talked about jeremy Sosi? yeah know? yeah i mean he's kind of been one of these guys where it's like but you know, he, he had this good run and all of a sudden you yeah. know he was on everybody's radar again they're talking about him from moscone cup and things like that so yeah i mean a good performance you know really kind of puts you into in, in people's consciousness. Yeah. And I, and, and for my money, I heard he had a really good shot at making that team. I mean, like it was, he was one of those, I want to say three players who was in uh, or even four players who was like right there and, and how difficult the decision it was for Jeremy. Uh, but you're right because before then nobody ever really talked about him, but he goes and makes a deep run. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he's beaten Robbie Capito on the TV stage. And for those who don't know, Robbie's a monster. He's from Hong Kong. He's a former world junior champion. And when he came on my radar personally was the year that Carlo won his first world title. Cause I remember seeing his name in the, uh, uh, in the quarters, I think it was. Um, and I was like, who the hell is this kid? And I go back and I look at who all he beat leading up to it off the top of my head. I can't think of it, but he took down some names and he seems to be picking up right where he's left off and picking up some more momentum. The kid's young. And this is part of like what you get. I mean, I remember last year, seeing the kid Moritz out of Germany, he had Jeremy, I'm sorry, he had Jason on the ropes in his matchup. Yeah. Um, and that kid, that kid is still causing damage over there uh, on, in Euro tours, you know, but it's like, if you don't have these events, you're never going to go and get little like beauties of, of players that are just going to go and show who they are, you know, uh, prior to the world championships, I think Shane was in Hungary, I think uh, where Oliver's from and they were sparring with each other, warming up. Uh, and then come to find out Oliver was the one who ended up sending Shane home at the world championships when there was a lot of people and myself were included in that, that this was going to be Shane's year. This was his time. He had that breakdown. He was snapping it. He was popping it. He was squatting it. He was getting shape on the one. I mean, it was like, this is Shane's going to do it. Shane's going to do it. And then he runs into Oliver, but like, we don't get these storylines. If we don't get to watch, if we don't get to um, see Matchroom go and take over. And as someone who's watched world championships over the years, Mike, I can tell you it's been brutal to go and watch them at a Qatar. I mean, from a from a terrible from a terrible feel to yeah. a terrible quality of internet. I mean, you yeah. you just name it. I could not have terrible been terrible facility. The facility was yeah. lousy. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I think you know one of the things you touched on that's really important is is as Matchroom gets more involved in these and as as you know social media and, and streaming becomes a, a bigger thing, um, being able to see all these tournaments round by round see all these players that makes such a huge difference in 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 these players you know advancing and and in and people's interest in the sport uh you know as opposed to those years where you know all you basically saw were 
flow charts and, you know, that was your way of knowing who did well and who didn't. So, um, you know, being able to watch all the matches is such a key thing. Um, you know, you're talking about Shane and Oliver and, you know, what, do you know what the world championship's going to be this year in terms of the racking as last year, they switched the rack when it got to the single elimination. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion about that. Um, has there been word yet about what that's going to be this year? I don't know, Mike, off the top of my head. Um, okay. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it the same. I wouldn't be surprised if they changed it to where it's just going to be ref racking throughout. Um, personally, I hate to see players go and manipulate a rack. And I hate, and I, and the other side of it is I don't want to see you racking for your opponent either. Because I don't yeah. want to see that guy go going and I don't want it to be like turning stone, right? Where you're racking for your opponent. And then the guy's coming over and he's looking at the rack left and right. And he's doing yoga poses. And then he's like, you know, look at right here. Look at this gap there. And then they go and they start barking at each other, interpret, and they go back and try to fix it. It's brutal. Um, I like the idea of it being taken out of their hands. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of like in, in football when you have penalties or in baseball when you have a strike zone. To me, it's no different um, as a sports fan when it comes to ref in the rack. I mean, we'd like it to be obviously tight and together, but things happen. You know, you're not always going to get the, you're not always going to go and get um, a perfect rack, but you got to go about, and adapt, Mike. It's about professionalism in sports. I mean, right. you know, I don't know if it was Emily or who was talking to said, you know, the first time I watched this and, and this is, you know, a professional event and it's a world championship, whatever. And the players are racking their own balls. You're thinking, what are they doing? How do they allow this to happen? That would be like, yeah. you know, playing pro football and, you know, the defense gets to spot the ball. Well, you know, you're not going to get a, you're gonna get a pretty, couple of pretty bad spots along the way. It just, it's just, yeah. it's about professionalism. So, yeah, I'd like to think that, uh, um, that all their events in the next couple of years, it'll all be referee racking. Um, and and no looking at the rack, no doing this. Just take the balls and break them, and, and bring the big break back into the game, and take the take the uh, manipulation out of it, and and let's and let's move forward and make everything consistent. That would be the that would be the ideal situation, right? I remember asking Federer point blank, you know, on um, this very question as far as which you'd prefer, and he would said, "I'd rather get slugged than to have someone cheat." You know, and he was very candid about it and very matter of fact. And I respected him a lot more from that because he's he's game just to go and play pool. You know, yeah. what what I get is what I get. And I'm going to go and bust them up. And then whatever I get left over afterwards, I'm going to use my tools and my resources and on my training to go exactly. and, and make sure I put that that nine ball in the hole. And that's part of, you know, what what I love. And it can it can be tough at times, you know, when when it gets deep in an event and I've as someone who has been to a lot of events over the last few years, like when it gets kind of close and it's, you know, close to Hill Hill or right around there or like a nine, eight kind of scenario or seven, eight scenario. Um, and then you can hear the bad rap and the players get on tilt and it's tough to go and watch, <laughs> you know, yeah. it is um, because you want to see them have successes, but uh, it's part of sports, Mike, you know, and, yes. and I don't, I don't want to see them have the ability to go and manipulate it. I just don't. I mean, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shy away from that. Um, and I, I think well, that that's the direction they're going in as far as match room. Yeah, if you're gonna have, you know, a set number of tour events, things like that, there's gonna to have to be standards like that that are gonna be in there. Is that gonna happen at every event around the world, every event in the U.S.? No, because it's it's a matter of, you know, what you can afford to do. I mean, you know, you're not gonna to go to a you know, a 10 ball event in, in Louisiana or wherever and have, you know, 16 qualified refs racking balls on each team. Sure. It's just not going to happen. So you have to try to find, okay, what do you think is the most sensible, you know, given the fact that we can't have all these refs. But if you're going to have what you're going to consider a professional tour, professional circuit, all these events are going to be on TV, things like that, then, yeah, then the standard's got to be, you know, 100% you know, uh, referees racking the balls and just get out of the way. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to go and see that also in the next two weeks, Mike, when we go and have a world champion being crowd out in Las Vegas, um, the Predator CSI uh, 10 ball event. It's going to be 10 days of just nothing but 10 ball greatness. And um, I actually love the game. It can be tough, though, you know, seeing these guys go and, and have a referee racking with a triangle and 10 ball. But I love the moving part that you end up with afterwards. Like 
Right. You, you don't get to see the big breaks from Shane. You don't go. You don't get to see the big breaks from um, like Federer, for example. You get to see a lot of safeties and kicking and moving and you know ticky tack kind of uh, pull for a while. But I love that man. Like I, I just I really really enjoy. It. You get to see a lot more jumping, um, and you, we're gonna have a world champion being crowd. And more importantly, Mike, it's it's the return of some players from Asia in the Co Brothers that are gonna be coming back to the states for their first time and you know, at least two years, Mike. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. It's, it's so good to see them back. And I want to see Chang back. And I want to see, you know, Lee back. I want to see all these guys, you know, back in action. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how the Cole brothers play. I think all three of them are playing, correct? Um, yeah. And so it's, you know, they haven't been in this kind of international competition in two years. I mean, think about that. Uh, so it's... It's going to be see. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it, how different it's going to be, and whether it's really noticeable that they've been out of commission, or whether they pick up. I mean, they're great players, so they haven't been sitting on their couch for the last two years. But um, getting in there in international competition with a title on the line, and you lose, you go home type of situation. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play. I remember seeing Alex when he first came. When like things are opening up and he came back to the States after COVID and he did not look like Alex. He looked like um, a shell of himself. Like his cue ball was all over the place. And I was in Des Moines, I think it was last year um, when he was playing Tony and it was off the stream table. Uh, and I just, I couldn't believe how all over the place he was. Dennis, whenever he came back from COVID, you know, it took him about a good, you know, three, four months to really yeah. get back in his like fighting shape. You know, um, and I, I just a number of different players. It was the same thing. And I, the, I think the only thing that bodes well for them is the fact that they've had each other to spar with over the last, you know, two years, essentially. And what greater, you know, than to have, you know, world champions um, and a kid who, who probably will end up being a world champion and, and the youngest brother uh, to go and knock him around with, um, you know, coping Chung really never had a chance to defend his title. And it, that, that part really like hits me in the stomach because I was a big little co-fan for a lot of years. So whenever he won, it was, it was pretty awesome to go and see him. And I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing him at least have a chance at it. Re realistically speaking, I don't have a lot of expectations because when I saw Chang come back last year, he didn't look like yeah. the same Chang Jun Lin. He did not look, he did not look dominating. He did not look like people were, well, I mean, he, he still had that factor, but, like, once the game started playing, like, his game didn't go and scare you like it did before. Like, certain yeah. players have that ability, Mike, like like Josh or, or Shane or whatever. And Chang was one of those guys, but he didn't have it. He wasn't, like, in full pool gear when he came back last year. Yeah, they, you know, it's, it's like you've got to play on a regular basis. You know, you've got to have some, you know, you got to get in there and take a couple of lumps and fight back and remember what it was like and get your edge back and, and get your precision back. And so, yeah, I, I would not have really high expectations uh, for the World 10 ball for some of these players. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a little different last year because everybody was in kind of the same boat, right? So uh, they were all basically, you know, rusty. Uh, but now Everybody was, yeah, a man. lot of players have been playing a lot in the past year, and the Coe's coming in who just haven't. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough, a, a tall order for them. It's a monkey wrench, and I and I love it. You know, I don't I don't know what I'm gonna go and expect from a Mike, but I'm not gonna go and say I think you know it's it's world title or bust. But those guys are competitive, and I'm sure they expect a lot out of themselves, and they train a lot, and uh, it's it's gonna be interesting, you know, and. This is going to be the first event they come back to, and they're going to follow that up with uh, an appearance at the World Championship. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to go and see them for the World Couple Pool, and I'm guessing it will be the Co Brothers. Um, at least for my money, I think it'll be. Um, I'd, ima I'd imagine that any spots that are left back are for players like these guys, like for the UK Open. So I'm sure not all of them are are taken, you know, because it's a smart thing to do to hold some spots back. It's that you know, in case some of these guys do go and return. Um, I think that they're a huge wild card, Mike, and they're a threat to anybody. And that's what I love about it because it's not just some random guy coming in that's going to go and, and, you know, screw the queue together. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like I said, the, the opportunity for them to play two, three, four, you know, pretty significant international events in a row, you know, it'll allow them to shake the cobwebs a little bit and to get back into, into fighting shape 
uh, a little bit quicker. And and they're they're you know they're really dedicated kids. Um, you know they're really dialed into their practice and their playing. And you know they're not big you know outgoing partiers. You know they're they're not, they're not going to come in thirty pounds overweight because they haven't played in the last two years. Uh, yeah. That would double Little Co's weight. Uh, yeah, so no it's, it's uh, I, I think you know I think. I wouldn't expect a lot of them at the World Ten Ball, but I think you know they'll get into they'll get into playing shape pretty quickly. Yeah. Who do, I, who do you like? Who, who do you like at the Ten Ball? It's real unfortunate that Feder's not going to be able to play, and I'm going to continue to say this for the next for the next nine months in, in any event because I think he's a threat no matter what it is. Um, so I'll start with that. But well, you put me on the spot here, Mike. I, I was, I don't know. Yeah, I was it was either yeah. you to do it to me or I'm going to do it to you. So <laughs> I, and actually, I was. I was thinking about doing it to you. Uh, yeah, no kidding. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, obviously, you, you can't go in anything that says that's got a 10 in front of it. You know, you're going to have Van Boning in probably the last 16 at a minimum, you know, would be my guess. Um, but, uh, I mean, Kachi, I guess, if he, you know, he, he, he won last year, so why wouldn't you go and think, even though he really hasn't had a lot of successes since? I mean, yeah, I know he won this Predator yeah, event, he, you know, out he's there. Not, he's not in my top five. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Rick said in the chat, as far as Chang, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to go and be there, so that remains to be seen. And I, I've seen the – I know I've seen the, the, the players list, and I don't think his name is on there, but I'll have to go back and double-check because I don't think the Coe brothers were on there either. And, of course, now they are. Um Boy, oh boy, Mike. I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of players who are playing really great pool right now. Um, Kazakis comes to mind because he's been, you know, playing great. You know, you give Josh an open table, even though he's not considered like an elite 10 ball breaker. I'm not going to go and put my money uh, against them. Where do, you Jason, put someone, where do you put someone like Alvin in the 10 ball? Not very high. Well, it's different if they're racking with the template. Because then I think it's the it's it's going to be more traditional as far as guys who are going to go and and do right. better, uh, yeah. like the the Shanes and the Fetters of the world. But because it's going to be a referee rack and it's going to be a triangle, it, it really just leaves the door wide open for these guys. Um, and of course, Albin just knows how to close. You know, you, you, you he may be if if you have him down in a match, you better put him away because he's not the guy you want to go and and leave a foot in there. Um, and I know, I know those names are chalk and and Bogue right now, and they're they're Telfer like. I'll put it like yeah, that. I was like, just gonna say, you sound, yeah. like, sound like a fucking Jim Telfer there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're very they're they're very Telfer like. Um, but boy, I don't know, Mike. I'm curious if if we're gonna see any more Filipinos come back. Um, I know Carlos gonna be out there, um, but a, I don't know. That if, was like, a big event. Like that was a big event last year for Yep. Um, you know, I'd be interested to see how he does this year. Uh, there were some surprises last year, and it'd be, see, it'd be interesting to see if they if they hold form. Yeah, Mike Check brought up a really good name in, in Alex, you know, and a triangle rack really bodes well for a player like Alex because you're not going to go and outmove him, and he's going to break from the side, and he's going to make it a mess, and you're going to have to go and push out after the break, and, you know, and you're going to have to play his game of pool. Uh, it's not like these guys who – are just so stubborn where they're going to go and break, you know, from center table, hope they get a traditional break. And then, Oh no, wait a minute. You're not, you're going to go and sell out to your opponent. Right. Um, so he's kind of, and I know even though he got smoked by Federer a few months ago when they were gambling, um, you know, he's been playing 10 ball really well and that moving game uh, will really go and, and be in his favor. But I don't know, Mike, I really you think he, he, can handle, he can handle seven, eight matches in a row like that. What do you mean? Because of his age? Yeah, yeah, I do, and and I and and I'll be completely honest. I'm not that guy who like thinks that Alex is like the end all be all. You know, like like some other fans are. Um, I got a lot of respect for his game. You know, a thousand percent I do. But I I've been one of those guys where it's been like, man, maybe is is he over the hill? You know, is is he is he like in the twilight of his career? And then it's like he still goes deep in all these events, and it's uh uh it, it's it, it's mind blowing to me how he can still be as consistent all these years. Um, I think not having Dennis there is going to be massive because Dennis is Dennis. And, uh, you know, he's a, uh, uh, he's, a, 
he's a menace to a lot of guys, you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, and it can kind of really he's got that it factor as well. Um, but Yap's a good name, always a good name. I know when I saw Chua go and play Oi last year in the World Ten Ball, it was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, I hope he goes and comes back, but I don't know, you know, if if he will. Um I wouldn't be surprised if Yap's there, man, now that I think about it more, just because the kid's just so poised, you know, under pressure. Uh, and a lot of these guys who uh, are playing in that Predator series really have shown that they can go and maintain throughout. Like, there's been a lot of guys who have been very consistent, the Rollins of the world, the Robertos, uh, guys who maybe haven't been clutch before. They're becoming clutch because of that format, Mike. Right. I, th I think you're right. I think the guys who've played in all the Predator 10 ball events and have, have consistently done well, I think that they're all – those are the guys who – you probably consider to be threats in this. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm looking forward to it. And I, and this is great for a guy like you because I really covet the term world champion. You know, I, I don't take it for granted like like some of my other counterparts over here. You know, I love seeing a world champion being crowned, and it's really a special time of year. In our sport, we only get it twice. And I know nine ball will always be like the king of the game, right? But um, – that World 10-Ball Championship is something pretty special to watch, and I got a lot of respect for what Ozzy and Predator and them go and do. Uh, we have World 8-Ball this year too, so. Yeah, I know, but I was going to ask you about that, Mike, because it's it's going to be during the European Open, so I'm curious to hear your opinion on that, like the scheduling on top of each other. I'm I'm assuming somehow or another it's all going to get worked out. This, this idea of, of, you know, we can get we can start a we do a whole different show on how WPA sanctioned events get stacked on top of each other. It's crazy. You know, it's they use the same calendar we use, twelve months, thirty days in most of them. Figure it out, guys. Uh, so I don't know how you come up with these uh, conflicts. Um, and I've spent you know a lot of time on the phone with you know both Natural and Predator since all this and. And there's always two sides to every story. It's just always hard for me to figure out how they can be so different. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate. And it's something that the WPA has got to get their hands on and their arms around now and figure out how to sort through this. Because uh, if they don't, it's just going to get worse in the coming years. Because the easiest thing for me to do is everybody's just going to start throwing events in the calendar two, three years out and saying that they've got these dates booked and it's just going to be a big shit show. So, um, you know, it, it's I love that um, Predators doing their own events and are doing 10 ball and that Matrum is putting together this big collective of nine ball events. I think that's good for the sport. I think it's good for opportunities. I think it's good for the players. Uh, but there's got to be some kind of mediation clearinghouse, which the WPA theoretically is supposed to be. That There's ought to be what they should do, Mike. It's, you know, it's it's easy to say that, that, that you know, they should just do that. It's There's, there's a lot of um, nuance and a lot of uh, uncertainty in putting events like this together. Uh, you know, you just can't say – someone like Matrum can't look ahead to next year and say, these are our dates for these events. Can't do it. You know, because you're talking about a company that's got television contracts. You've got to try to find the right windows where the, where the television provider is going to be able to fit you in and not have you against world cup soccer or whatever, you know, you've, you've got, you've got decisions that you have to make that are based on that. And based on all the other events that, that Matrum does for other sports, you just can't, you just can't, this isn't the only thing they do. So it's very difficult for them to be as um, nimble and as far out timeline wise as some of these other, like the Euro Tour. The Euro Tour will put, Euro Tour has probably got 2,025 dates already for the Austrian, you know, Euro Tour yeah. tournament. Uh, and, and it's kind of silly that things get to that point. So you, you don't want to see it end up ruining the sport by this fighting for positioning, jacking for dates. You know, there's gotta be a better way to sort it out so that both sides win. Um, and that's what they're gonna have to figure out. And if the WPA wants to, you know, show its mettle and prove its weight, this is the time to do it. I don't see Matchroom going and budging. 
I, I but I also don't want to go and see it turn into a pissing contest either. Uh, right. I I don't know where that where that medium is, Mike. I don't know where that middle ground is. Um, it like I don't. We're gonna see everybody in Europe, at least majority of of great players, because they're gonna be uh, fighting for Moscone Cup points. So, um, I guess you would kind of get a pass this year, because this is really the thickest that it's ever been as far as pool events. And um, I know they've been trying to schedule out Puerto Rico for like three years now, at least. Um, So I guess I can kind of understand that, but yeah, it'd be hard for me to see matchroom accommodating anybody, you know, and if you start having these, these alphas who are just going to dig it, dig their heels in, I don't know how pleasant it's going to end up as far as events. Um, But you know, I'm not saying that one's doing more than the other because they're both doing great things for the game. Right. You know, I think as far as coverage goes, Matchroom is leading the charge because you know they get they get into market they get markets all over the world and on television. And um, I don't see them slowing down any. And I, actually, I think it's the it's the opposite. I think they're going to keep on just ramping up and adding events and you know making the calendar just um, even tougher to kind of pick around. Um, but I don't want to see something like as as what could be special in an eight ball world championship, uh, take a loss because that could right. really be a great event. You know, it could really be fun and exciting and really eight ball is the first game that everybody, if you ever picked up a queue plays, you know, your first time, whether you're at the bar or you're at your uncle's place with the pool table, the first game you ever go and look at is eight ball. Right. Um, so, I would love to go and see all the great players go out there. I'd love to see Darren Appleton go and play eight ball and win another world championship. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of time. Uh, I hope they would get it figured out. I just don't know how easy it is to go and say like, Oh yeah, they'll figure it out because I'm sure there's so many moving parts to go and announce that date, you know, whatever it is, like seven months in advance um, that, you know, their hands just may be tied this year. You know, we'll just, We'll see what happens. Um, but either way, Mike, we're it's a good problem to have, you know, because there's going to be a lot of great events to go and watch. You know, I, I buy Dazzin for the year, and, and I enjoy every minute of it. Now it's just every event they go and add on, it just makes what I pay for, for that package just that much better and better and better. You know, um, I, as, as much as I love watching boxing, I'm not buying Dazzin for boxing. You know, I'm buying it to go and watch pool, right? So, um as that calendar fills up, it's like fantastic because I'm still getting the same value, you know, um, we want to see people with, yeah, 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 for sure. And we want to see those big players figure out a way to, you know, make it work together. Uh, But they're kind of just, they're kind of just stretching the arms a little bit, you know, and just give me some room over here. Let me see what I can get away with (laughs) and how, how we can, uh, how we can go and, and work together. And I hope they do. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they will. Um, but time nope, will you do because you don't want to see the players lose out on big events that they can play in. And, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, there, there's, there's two ways to look at it in terms of the exposure and Matchroom does have, you know, these markets all over the world, you know, they're paid, they're paid to watch markets, right? You know, it's their programs all pay to view. Um, and I like what Predator's done with the free streaming. So, right. you know, uh, that's a different way of approaching it. It's, it's how to get as many eyes on the sport as we can. And eyes on the sport who may not always, you know, if I'm a casual, just maybe sticking my toe in the water, I might just watch out of curiosity. I'm not subscribing to Dazzle, you know, but I might that's watch true. something yeah. that's on a live stream, right? And so then if I watch something that's on a live stream and I get excited about it, then yeah, now I might go spend my 19 bucks on the zone and watch the world championship or watch Mexicone Cup. So they can work, you know, they, they can benefit each other. Um, makes sense, Mike. I never thought of it the, like that. I'm sorry. That's, that makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of it like that. So, so they're just, you know, they're both doing, you know, I got a ton of respect for both predator and CSI and as a team and, and for Matru. A uh, ton of respect for both, and they think they both really want to see the sport succeed. Um, you know, and they both have you know selfish interests as well as you know uh, wider interests in, in wanting to see the sport succeed as well. But they're going about it two different ways, um, and it's not like one way is right and one way is wrong. 
but you got to find a way to get them both to work out because it's it's to everybody's mutual benefit. So, um, you know, how, how you get to that, I, I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I wrote to Ian Anderson at the WPA and asked him about it. And um, not surprisingly, I got kind of a, you know, a nondescript mealy mouth kind of answer for the WPA, which is what they specialize in. So it's time for them to kind of, you know, step up and do what they're supposed to do. If they're not, if they're not putting on events, they, they should at least be able to help the people who are trying to make the sport bigger, help them make the sport bigger. Yeah. And help them work together, you yeah. know, which is what, which is what it needs. And it's a really good time in the game. It's great to be able to have these debates, whether, you know, it's about what, you know, what should, what should take precedent over the next, you know, uh, what event can be more coveted, I guess, what game is better, whatever it is, as long as we're talking about pool, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, Mike, I, I appreciate you joining on. We're already been on for an hour. Um, yeah, man, it's been, it's where been did a lot the time go? Yeah, I know. No kidding. Right. But I'm going to say it on this. If ever there's going to be a Reyes cup, my ass is going to be there. And I hope you will be too, Mike. And you may be one of the quote unquote, hundred, hundred people there. You'll be, yeah, we'll be two of the hundred <laughs> that are going to go and be there watching it it's going to be fantastic and i'm just i'm really grateful for everything going on and uh it's going to be an exciting 22 man it should be it should be we're looking forward to a lot of big events and uh you know see if it rolls into next year the way the plan is coming out uh is to make next year even more structured and bigger and more important and just kind of keep building on it from there so uh yeah let's 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 get let's get to it absolutely well on that note you guys we're going to call it a night we appreciate it. Mike, I appreciate you, man. You stepping in, coming clutch for me as always. So Michael Bonozo, Bridge Digest Magazine. We, um, you guys have a good night.